Welcome, everybody. It's great to see you today, and thank you so much to everybody that's dialed in via Facebook Live or our YouTube channel. I'm so glad that you would join us this afternoon. And uh, we are diving into our second service here on Sunday morning, and we had a powerful first service, and I'm excited to share with you what I believe the Lord is saying and doing right now and what is possibly the most important message you could ever hear. That's what I believe. And so I'm glad that you're together, and I'm glad that some of you chose to stay for another service today. So it's going to really solidify into your heart what it means to walk in the Spirit full time and all the time, because that's what we're going to talk about. Before we dive into the message, I want to say a couple things. If you're here visiting for the first time, please fill out the visitor response card, which is in the seat pocket in front of you, and drop it in at the information desk in our lobby. And you can get a $2 off coupon to my coffee shop if you would like. And also, we're changing up the way that we do offerings right now. Pre-COVID, we passed the buckets. And then uh, for the last several months, we were having the offering time during worship, during the third song. And today, we just have the, the offering boxes in the back. And we also have a giving station in the lobby. And I want to encourage you, if you brought your tithes or offerings today, to drop those in the offering boxes on your way out. You can also give online. And if you've been giving here at church... I would highly encourage you to switch to giving online if you can. And if you're watching right now uh, via our live feed, you can give via text to give, which is by texting 77977 and type in Rock City Corpus in all caps. Not Rock City Church, because there's another Rock City Church out there that has certainly got some money from us. And uh, so it's Rock City Corpus is what you type in in all caps. And then also you can go to our website, which is Rock City Corpus. Dot com and you can give directly from there. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for giving us wisdom and insight. Thank you for the mind of Christ. Thank you that we can think and feel the way that you do. We can see what you're doing and hear it clearly, that you don't leave us in the dark, but rather you bring us in the light and you call us the light of the world. And in the midst of craziness and everything that's happening in the divisive world around us, Thank you that we're unified, secure, rested, and at peace because we know you. And I pray that, Lord, you'd help us to bring your love and your light to everybody that doesn't know you. And those that are here or watching that are hurting, broken, discouraged, frustrated, uh, feeling down, depressed, angry, mad, whatever it is that uh, they're feeling, I pray that today we would get your heartbeat, that we'd know how you're feeling, and we would process everything the way that you process. We love you and we thank you, God, for giving me wisdom to speak this timely word today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So today, I'm going to give you a little bit of a heavy revy, meaning that I'm going to preach something that is so passionate to me, but I've got to help you understand it in a way that maybe some of you have never understood. And so again, we're going to talk about what it means to walk in the Spirit. I believe that you can walk in the Spirit all the time. I believe that you can hear God's voice all the time. I believe you can do what God wants you to do all the time. I believe that you should only say what Jesus wants you to say all the time. I believe that how you respond to your spouse, how you respond to your children, how you worship, how you read God's Word, and especially how you respond to the crazy world around us should be Spirit-led and you can hear from God's voice all the time. I believe that. I've made this statement many times, and today I'm going to back it up with Scripture. The statement is, the highest form of Christian maturity is to be Spirit-led at all times. Because if you're Spirit-led, you'll love right, you'll live right, 
and every relationship will be healthy. And no matter what circumstance comes into your life with your finances, your job, coronavirus, struggles, challenges, children, family, sickness, whatever it is, no matter what you face, you're always going to have an accurate response. So instead of combusting and blowing up and depression and anxiety and worry and accusation and condemnation and failures and shame and victim mentality and addiction and drugs and alcohol and everything that comes with combusting, instead of living in the flesh and living in sin and dying, now you live in the spirit and you have life and peace. This is my ultimate ambition in life is to put the spirit of God inside people so that people will have right responses and know how to love and know how to live and understand who Jesus really is. And I believe that's what he died for. Jesus died for this purpose. The purpose was to rescue you and to set you free from the law of sin and death that brings accusation, shame, condemnation, and every resulting effect into your life. Now, I'm not going to go into the depths of helping you to understand what the law does to you. The law in and of itself, the Torah, and every commandment that God gave is righteous and good. It's important that you understand that. But the law in and of itself is inadequate in that your flesh and your carnal nature does not know how to properly respond to it. Hence, it's called the law of sin and death. It kills you. And it had that purpose to reveal to you your own inadequacy and shortcomings and failures. The law in and of itself is righteous. Everything God ever said to do was righteous and right. But the problem is, is you could never measure up to it. It's by design. It's by design so that you could be rescued from it and realize your frailty, your brokenness, your humanity outside of God, and what it means to live in the flesh so that when the Spirit comes and rescues you, you know what it means to live in the Spirit. And so the law could never, ever set you free. Only Jesus could set you free. The reason why I couldn't set you free is because you could never do it. So here's what happens when you can't measure up. Here's what happens when your, when your flesh, your carnal nature, responds to the law. It kills you, and in turn, you live with shame, condemnation, failure, accusation, and inadequacy. So I'm going to make a blank statement. If you feel shameful, inadequate, and a failure, you're living under the law, and you're dying. So what do I do? I speak the truth and what the Spirit says to pull you out of it so you can see who you really are. Because you're not defined by what you do or what you don't do. You're defined by who you are. You're going to get this. You're not defined by whether you drank or not. You're not defined by whether you looked at porn or not or slept with somebody prematurely or you're living in sin. You're not defined by that. Okay? But when you're under the law, it kills you because it's constantly defining you by that. So God raises up people like me and gives us his word to show us what the truth is of who you really are. One of the number one things I say to people when they come to me with failures and shame and mistakes is that's not who you are. Because I've got to get you to have an accurate viewpoint and perception of who you really are. Because when you see yourself as a son and him as a good father, and when you realize what Jesus did on the cross, which is the gospel, the good news is the fact that Jesus did what you could never do. Now, this is all in Romans chapter 7. 
And it's very, very, I mean, I've had to read Romans chapter seven multiple times and I feel like only after about 28 years of living for Jesus am I starting to understand what the condemnation and accusation of the law brings and what the spirit of life brings. And so if you get around me, you should always hear life, comfort, joy, peace, strength, Yes, I may get on you and I may discipline you like I have to my children, but it's always from a place of love to bring you to a place of health. But it took me a long time to understand it. Now, what took me 28 years to start to get, the teenagers and the young adults and many of you can start to get now, and you never have to come under the the death and destruction of the law of sin and death. The law had a purpose. In and of itself, it was good. The problem is your flesh responds to it inappropriately because you can't do it. This is the essence of the cross. So Jesus would become the full, requ- the full requirement, righteous requirement of the law and did what you could never do. You could never be perfect, but one man was. And now when you put your hope and trust in that one man, what happens? Now you can become the righteous requirement of the law because his righteousness is in you because when he died on the cross, guess who he took with him? Who did he take with him on the cross? He took you. So when you get born again, you crucified with Christ. Now when you fall back into sin and compromise and all the resulting things that come with sin and compromise, what I have to do and what God does and what the Holy Spirit does and what His Word does is it pulls you back out of shame and rescues you every time. Sin sells you and buys you. God pulls you out every time. And if you'll get this over the course of time and if I can teach you what I'm gonna teach you today and you get it and make it your life's ambition to keep your eyes on Jesus, only do what the Spirit says and to be Spirit-led at all times, the, the failures and the shame and the inadequacies and the flesh that's killing you slowly becomes less and less and less and less. It just took me 28 years to get it. I feel like I'm just now starting to get it. But Melody came right out of the world and could get it almost immediately because she saw the greatness and the beauty of what life has to offer when she was living in death. The worst death is to live under religious death. She didn't live under that. So she, I, when I talk about church hurts and church dysfunction, beating over the head with the Bible, she doesn't even understand that because she didn't have that. But do you know why most people don't come to church or people will actually avoid me like the plague? You know why? Because they know I'm a pastor and the automatic assumption is if I come to church or I get around you, you're gonna try to convert me, point out my inadequacies and my shame and I actually don't wanna hear it because either A, I'm already living under it or I don't want you to put me under it. So let's just avoid God and avoid church because if I get around God, my perception of God is gonna be how much of a failure I am because I'm living under the law and I can't measure up. So people will stay away from church, they'll stay away from pastors, they'll stay away from Christians and in some cases, rightfully so. Am I right? Some of you came from that church. Some of you came out of that. Many of you still have that residue still going on in your life. If you're wondering what I'm thinking about you and you feel like you're a failure and you have shame and you think that I'm thinking you're so jacked up and broken, you're living under the law, not the Father's love. I don't have time for all that. 
I got my own life, my own wife, my own kids, my own responsibilities, my own self. Last thing I need to do is try to pick things out of you. What I need to do is I need to make sure I'm being spirit-led and help you come out. You see, Romans chapter 7 defines the law as a wife that's died. Did you know that? You go read Romans chapter 7. It'll blow your mind. I thought it was a little too heavy for me to talk about on a Sunday morning. But the point is, is that you have now, that law thing is dead by what Jesus did on the cross. And we're going to talk about what identifiers are to identify today, whether you're living under the law or living in the spirit. But the focus is not so much the law, it's getting you in the spirit. Maybe I'm the only one that's tired of hearing everybody's opinion and would really like to know what Jesus has to say. Because everybody's got a lot of things to say about a lot of things right now. But not a lot of people are saying what Jesus has to really say. And the only way you're actually going to fix it is by being more like Jesus instead of putting people more into condemnation and beating them up with the law. You know how I can stay at rest and in position and fired up? And by the way, I didn't get it when I became a pastor. I, st I was that way a long time ago. I'm just starting to understand it more. But I learned what it meant to follow the Spirit a long time ago, even in my little. So whether you're a high school student or a college student, and all you're really thinking about is what you're going to eat after church and the video games you're going to play later, you can still be Spirit-led in everything that you do. But we're going to talk about what it means to walk in the Spirit and to direct your mind to the Spirit instead of being preoccupied. See, to set your mind means I occupy myself with something instead of being preoccupied by something else. We're going to talk about that today. So my job and your job and our job as a church family is to break people out of the law of sin and death so that they can walk in the law of life and freedom and peace and liberty. Because everything in the world is opposite of that. You want, you're, are you angry? Do something about it. Do something about it by how you live, how you love, and what you say, and the way you preach the gospel, and be even brighter in your light. Make it your ambition to know way more about what this has to say than what the world or the news has to say. I don't care what happens with Facebook. I don't care. People are upset like, oh, they're shutting down conservatives and Twitter did this and Facebook did that. And let me tell you something. The gospel went all around the world long before Facebook and Twitter existed. And you have to understand God's not surprised and God's got a plan. You just have to be in it and not get sidetracked with what the world's doing. I think it can be a great platform to use my voice. And we're even people are watching right now on it. But at the end of the day, I'm guided by this, not by that. And my narrative is what this says, not what that says. And I already knew persecution was going to come a long time ago. Somebody's going to persecute you just for coming to church today because they didn't think you should be out and in public, and then you didn't wear a mask, and it's on video. Some of you didn't. It doesn't bother me one bit. The point is, is somebody will always find something to persecute you about because the world's under the law and manifesting with condemnation, shame, guilt, anger, madness, and craziness. But what does the Lord say about you and me? He says we're the light of the world, which means the darker it gets, what happens to light? Dimmer or brighter? You, we are living in the most exciting times to ever be alive. I am so fired up. 
I'm going to get to see what God is about to do and what God's doing in a most awesome way. I think 2020 is going to turn out to be an incredible year. And I'm not sidetracked, and I know I do firmly believe still that the storm's going to pass. It just may take a little bit longer. But what's happening on the inside should never be affected by what's happening on the outside. It may affect your finances. It may affect your job. It may affect your business. But see, finances and jobs and business is always a lordship issue. Because God can rescue somebody out from under a bridge. God can rescue somebody behind the prison walls. God can rescue somebody regardless of your situation on earth. He's the creator of all things. His arm's not small. You just don't realize how big it really is. Okay? So let's look at a few things in Scripture to help you understand what I'm talking about today. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who don't walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. So we're talking about how you walk. We're talking about how you conduct your life. So when you think about walking, it's not just like, I'm walking. It's how, it's what I set my mind to in the affairs of my life. It's how I conduct myself. It's how I process, how I think, how I respond, how I react, how I manage affairs, how I deal with staff, employees, businesses, money, marriage, children, everything. And God wants you to walk a certain way. There's one of two ways that everybody's walking, either in the flesh or in the spirit. There's no demilitarized zone. There's no neutral area, okay? It's either flesh or spirit. So what am, what am I focusing on? Getting you into the spirit, all right? Now, catch this really clearly. I like what the Passion Translation says in this verse. It says, the case is closed. There remains no voice of an accuser. But I wanted to show you this version because of the word condemnation. There's no voice of an accuser. Nothing can accuse you once you get into the spirit. Why? Because you were crucified with Christ. He fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law, and he put the spirit inside of you. And now if I stay in the spirit, notice that there's a prerequisite. There's no condemnation for those or voice of the accuser for those that are in Christ Jesus. And this says who are joined together in life with Jesus. But the New King James Version says who walk in the Spirit. So what's the fastest way to fall under accusation, accusation, depression, anxiety, fear, worry, doubt? Walk in the flesh. flesh. I'm painting it as black and white as I can for you. And this is attainable. You can do it. You can do it. I'm not so spiritual that that I'm so high and mighty and you're not. I put my pants on the same way you do. I struggle with the same struggles you struggle with. I face the same things you face every day. I'm not high and mighty Mr. Pastor spiritual guy. I just made the decision that I'm tired of living any other way. And I made the decision that this world is so crazy and responsibilities are so intense 
and I cannot do it in my own strength. That was the premise of the law, is to get you to see and understand how you can never do it in your own strength. See, Romans 7 will blow your mind. I encourage you to read it line upon line five times over, because it leads to this. But in Romans chapter 7, it really helps you understand that you didn't know what sin was until you were told what sin was. And the reason why God told you what sin was is so you could understand it's exceedingly bad, but it was still sin. Think of, my, think of a child. My son, I keep using this analogy, but I'm going to use it because it's my easiest one. He doesn't understand that hitting a girl is never okay. He's five, literally. Well, for another few more days. He's about to be six. Right? He doesn't know, so I tell him. Okay? Then when he does it, he learns that there are consequences. The worst thing, though, that I can do for my children is to put shame and condemnation on them. You know why? They already feel it. It's called a carnal nature that everybody's born with. So in Romans chapter 7, in Romans chapter 7, it says, the Apostle Paul said that I actually didn't understand why I was feeling the way I was feeling until I understood what the law did to me. The law in and of itself is not bad. It's the result with the fact that you can't measure up and do it and complete it, and now you know what sin is. God never designed for you to even know what sin was. He only designed for you in the garden to be spirit-led at all times. That was called eating from the tree of life. But once your eyes were open, what happens when you see the inadequacy and you fall short? You fall into shame. But prior to the garden or man's fall, there was no shame. So now every time we fall or we fail or we come short, what happens? Shame, inadequacy. So with my children, what I have to do is I have to say to Zion or Cadence, lift your head up, look at me in the eyes. I love you. Here's why that's not good for you. This is what that will do to you. But I care about you and everything that I, even in my discipline, it's always in love. Even a spanking is still with love. I look him in the eyes. I t- let him know that it hurts me as much as it hurts him. And I pull him close and I hug him. And I tell him that I love him. And this is why those things aren't good. Because if I'm not careful, the law of sin and death will have its way in him and produce shame. Now, many of us did not have a dad like that. Many of you did not have a dad like that. But now, when you come to the Lord, you get a dad that you never had. But the challenge is, is we don't have a right perspective of the Father's love. We don't really have a right understanding of the Father's love. And when you have a warped perception of the Father's love, you have a warped perception about yourself, and then it will translate to everybody else. Your relationships, marriage, self-preservation, defensive, all kinds of things. And I'm preaching this because I'm constantly helping people to get out of shame, condemnation, guilt, and inadequacy and to stop living in the flesh because the flesh will kill you, okay? So there's no voice of an accuser. So why are you being accused right now? Here's the answer to that. 
because I did something that I wasn't supposed to do, right? But when the Spirit comes into your life, He brings a way out every single time. And the way out is, I love you. I don't want you to live that way. God, I'm so sorry. I repent. I don't want to keep doing those things. I have a yes in my heart. And now I turn away from it and I start walking to him instead of away from him in shame and guilt. God made a way where there was no way. And now I already know I could never do what he did, but with him in me, I can do what he did. So let's keep reading. Verse 2. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. So Jesus came. He said, you could never do it, so I'm going to show you how to do it, and I'm going to become like you, and I'm going to do it. That's how awesome God is. He says, I'm going to do what you couldn't do, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to face every single thing you face. Jesus faced every temptation that we could ever face. And he overcame, and he didn't give in, and he took it all the way to the cross, and then he crucified it to set you free so that you don't have to live under the condemnation that through him you can now live free without accusation and condemnation. What the law could not do in those through the flesh, God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous, now watch this. The law had a requirement that nobody could ever fulfill. The righteous requirement of the law was fulfilled in Jesus. And now the righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled in who? In us. This is verse four. How? By walking according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. To be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Verse 6. Get it up on the screen. It's what? To be spiritually minded is what? Are you having life and peace? Be honest with yourself. God wants you to have life and peace. This is why Jesus said, if you love your life, you're going to lose it. But if you hate it, you'll find it. I hate my life outside of Christ. When I get into the flesh, I hate that life. But the life in the spirit produces something in you. It produces life, true life, and peace. God wants you to be at peace in the midst of a crazy world. You can never bring peace to somebody else if you don't have peace for yourself. Right? So to walk in the Spirit means that I'm setting my mind now and my attention on the things of the Spirit, the things of God. I'm going to help you understand a little bit more. So let's identify some things when you're not walking in the Spirit. This one's pretty easy for me. Here's how you can know when you're under the law of condemnation and sin and death. These are identifiers. You ready? You constantly feel like something's wrong with you, shame, 
accusation, and condemnation. You know what it means to be condemned? It means a verdict has been passed and a judgment has been rendered and now you are guilty and thus you will be punished. Another way to say that in a very practical way is you made your bed, now lie in it. You deserve what you're getting. God's punishing you. He's issued the verdict. That's the law of sin and death. But the law of the spirit through Christ and the cross says, wait a minute. He paid that price for me on the cross. Yes, I failed, and it's the sin that kills me, not God. God loves me. In fact, I already know through his word that it says not one single thing, not your sin, can separate you from God's love. No angels, no demons, no situation, no certain. I'll prove it to you in the Bible if you think for one second anything can separate you from God's love. It can't. So then why are we being separated and loving people because of their issues? If he loves me no matter what, why can't I love you no matter what? It doesn't mean that I don't like, like the things you did. So what did God condemn in the flesh? What did Jesus condemn in the flesh? Sin. He condemned the sin nature inside of me. He divorced me from it. I'm not married to that anymore. You're going to get it. Stick with it. Over the course of time, you're going to understand this. You have been divorced from your flesh by what Jesus did. And you say, well, what what about when I keep running back to my flesh? Do you feel conviction? Do you hate it? Paul spoke all about it in Romans 7. He actually learned the power of the law and the power of the spirit by dealing with, by saying, the thing that I hate to do, I actually do. And then I realize how much I actually hate it. And now I'm understanding that, wait a minute, this isn't God's heart. This, is the, this was the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was to teach you the desperate need you have for your way out. This is heavy stuff, I know. But you know what? This is the gospel at the, es- at the essence of the gospel. It's the mindset of Isaiah 50. I sell myself into sin, and God buys me back every time. It's Psalm 107. In my distress, I cried out to the Lord, problems, issues. I blew it. I bombed it. He rescued me and set me free, and everything was awesome. And then I ran right back to it, and then I cried out to God, and then he said, go read Psalm 107. It's over and over and over and over and over again. That's many of you here today. But as you mature, it becomes less and less and less. As you mature and your eyes are on Jesus, he provides the way out every time and you realize, I don't want to go back to that. Why would you want to go back to the way that you used to be? Why do you want to keep living in shame and condemnation and accusation? Why would anybody want to live in shame and condemnation and accusation? That's what most people think they're going to get when they come to church. That's what many religious people are giving away. What if we gave away real love? What if we gave away real fatherhood and motherhood and family, friendship, laying our lives down, pointing people to the truth, staying at peace no matter what they do or don't do? What if we became more like Jesus? There's a concept, right? Okay, so we're talking about identifiers of not walking in the spirit. Constantly feeling accused and constantly feeling condemned. All right? 
I just showed it to you. There's no condemnation, no voice of an accuser. But if you're not in the spirit, you're constantly feeling that. All right? Shame and a victim mentality. You feel ashamed for what you're doing constantly. You hide, you isolate, you blame others. It's everybody else's fault. Or you just stay hidden and then beat yourself up all the time. Wrong viewpoint of God and how he feels about you. If you don't see the father as a loving God, that's the best dad that you never had, this just isn't going to work. You're going to see him as a tyrant. You're going to see him as a policymaker, a rule maker. You're going to see through the eyes of the law. That's why whom the son sets free is free indeed. And you've got to see yourself in intimate relationship with a loving dad. You just have to discover it over the course of time. It's taken me a long time to do it. But you don't have to take that long if you'll make it your desire and your ambition. The next thing is, is you constantly have your eyes on issues and problems and trouble and CNN and Fox News and Facebook and the world and what everybody else has to say. Let me tell you about what everybody else has to say in this world. You know what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says about the rulers of this world? That their wisdom's coming to nothing. And that they don't understand what you understand. Unless they're born again. We just need more born again spirit-filled politicians. Come on, guys. Wouldn't you like to see mayors and county judges and city council members filled with the spirit that have an accurate representation of who God is and know how to love really, really well? I would. In fact, I think that should be some of y'all's ambition, some of you young adults. Hey, you should ask God, Lord, where do you want me to be? Maybe God wants some of you sitting in political positions so that you can bring life and healing to cities and nations. So 1 Corinthians 2 says, the, with the rulers of this world, it's black and white. I t- taught on it on Wednesday. The rulers of this world are coming to nothing, and their wisdom is not real wisdom. Real wisdom is Jesus. Jesus is the wisdom of God. This is all 1 Corinthians 2. People that are taught by the Holy Spirit and learn to walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit now become the wisdom of God on earth. So now you don't put your trust in man, but you put your trust in the power of God. People that have been transformed by the power and hear from the Holy Spirit. I would like to stop hearing more opinions and start, I would like to hear less opinions and more of what God has to say about a matter. And if you're going to give an opinion... I would certainly like to hear what God's opinion is. And I'm glad Jesus didn't go around giving a bunch of opinions. You know what he did? He only did what he saw the Father do. We're going to talk about that. If I can get y'all, all y'all, to be spirit-led, hear God's voice, become disciplined in God's word, so you know what the Lord has to say about everything, because in this book is the answer for everyone and for everything. And everything's going to pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but guess what will never pass away? What's written inside this book. Your jobs can change. Family situations can change. All kinds of stuff can change, but one thing stays constant always for thousands and thousands of years. Actually, since the beginning of time, God spoke. Everything is sustained by God's word. You should make it your desire more than your job, your career, and your business to know this word and become an expert in God's word than anything else. If I asked you about your job and, and you're an expert in your job, you should be more of an expert in God's word. 
I know way more about this book than I do coffee. What I know about coffee is I like to drink it and I like to make money off it. There you go. And I better be good with a lot of caffeine. Outside of that, ta-da, this book gives me insight and wisdom on how to deal with people, different personality types, how to love, different love languages, how to communicate, how to resolve conflict, how to do marriage, even when I blow it and bomb it, how to quickly you know, repent to my wife, how to stay humble, how to die, everything. How to live free, not in shame and condemnation. How to not live in adultery and not live in compromise. It defines the parameters of my life for me. I don't define them. And it comes from understanding it through God's spirit. Here's some other identifiers of what it means to not walk in the spirit. You don't have faith and you don't have trust. If you don't have faith and trust and walk by faith and have confidence that God's going to do what he said he's going to do, you'll always be flipping a coin and second-guessing, and it'll be wishful thinking. God doesn't want you to live in wishful thinking. Wishful thinking is not a fruit of the Spirit. Next is you have constant questioning. Now, I have questions for God all the time. I'm always asking God questions all the time. But I'm not questioning what God says. When God tells me something, I understand he's God and I'm not, and he probably knows better than I do. And so I listen to what he says in his written word. I listen to what he says by his spoken word, and I'm not living in constant questioning and doubt. The devil always puts a question mark where God puts a period. All right? Next is constant feeling like you're a failure and you're insecure. You're not confident. You feel like a failure. Now, that's, in a sense, the bad news. But guess what? I got some great news for you. Those are all identifiers of the law of sin and death. It will kill you. It reveals your inadequacy and sinful carnal nature and that no one could ever measure up. You do not need to live in a measure-up mentality. I hate that thing. I'm never going to be good enough for you. I'm never going to be good enough for God. It's not a matter of me being good enough. It's a matter of me being who I am as a son. I can never be good enough. But I can be a son, which causes me to do good by the Spirit. But I'm not living in this fear. Because if I think I can be good enough, let me help you with that. If I think I can be good enough, what happens when I'm not? I only learned this after many, 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 many years. And now I'm giving to you what God has taught me. Pick your head up, look him in the eyes, and go, oh, man, Lord, I blew it. And he goes, yeah, but you're still my son and my daughter, and I love you, and here's how I want you to handle that, and here's what I want you to do about that. In some cases, it's going to be to go and make reparation by asking for forgiveness with that person that you hurt. In fact, in that confession of sins, there'll be healing. And in some cases, God says, you know what? I know that, and I cover that, and and I'm going to heal you of that. And no, you don't need to go to that other person. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. You know how many people I hurt in my life before I came to Jesus? And God didn't have me go back to everyone, but he had me go back to some. 
So God gave you a way out by putting his spirit in you. Here's some identifiers when you are walking in the spirit. You're secure and confident. First, in his love for you and who you are. Next, you hear the voice of truth and you're comforted and you know how to love because you're being loved. No shame and no victim mentality. You don't have any shame and I'm not a victim. I will own my issues and give them to Jesus who took them on the cross. I have an accurate viewpoint of the Father's love. I know who I am and I know who he is. You have your eyes on Jesus and the Father at all times. This is probably one of the biggest ones because if you are always looking at him and always seeing him, you have a resolution to everything. You have great faith and trust. You're not questioning what God says. You hear his voice and you're rested in every situation at all times. Rest is a very clear identifier of walking in the spirit. And I'm not talking about laying down and taking naps. Now I can take a nap anywhere at any time. I'm not kidding you. If you scooted over a little bit and I laid down on these three chairs and you played a little bit of worship music with all y'all right here, I would take a nap. I have no problem now. I can nap standing up. Seriously, I'm not talking about that kind of rest. I'm talking about a posture and position of stability and strength and peace, no matter what you're facing. Remember, in Romans 8, 6, what was the result of walking in the Spirit? Life and peace. Okay? Now, if you're anxious, worried, stressed, mad, angry, and everything that goes on with this world, or family, or crisis, or burnout, or blow up, or bad situations, God's got an answer, and today you can come out of it. You don't need to take it home today. You don't need to take it home, or I'm going to pray for you. And then you're going to apply yourself to learn the real gospel. The real gospel is the law of sin and death will kill you. It's a carnal nature that produces fleshly desires. But when you walk in the spirit, that gets crucified with Christ. And now you have the spirit to help you walk it out and live right in everything that you do. So now instead of you delaying this for every single girl right here. Now, if you're delaying your process of getting married because you keep shacking up, same for guys too. Now you start to walk in the spirit, crucify the flesh. And then one day I get to stand at the altar with you on your wedding day. And now you see the vision, instead of walking in shame, I give you hope and a future. So God would always have to give hope and a future so you don't stay stuck in your down depression and anxiety and sinful ways. When you do it God's way, it always turns out the right way. Listen, when you do it God's way, it always turns out the right way, and God's way never stops. We just delay the process. Oh, I delayed the process. You know how old I was when I finally married Amber? I was 40 years old. Four, zero. Now, all you young adults better get it together or I'm going to pray God makes you wait that long. No, I wouldn't pray that prayer, but it sounds funny. That would be not a good prayer. What I'm going to just pray is that you get it together. So, so here's identifiers. Remember, strong, healthy relationships. And sometimes it goes completely contrary to what you think. You can be right and not be righteous. There's a lot of right causes in this world that are not righteous. The world does not know how to fix itself. There is only one answer, everybody. 
Mark my words. There's only one answer. There is only one answer. You only actually have one hope. There is no other hope. But when you get this hope, it lights a fire on the inside. And now you enjoy your life. Now you're having fun with your kids and your wife. Now you're rested and you wake up with hope and, and joy instead of anxiety. Now every day is a new day and morning by morning, I'm hearing God tug on my ear and I'm comforted and I start having good dreams instead of nightmares. And now in my dreams, I'm casting out demons instead of being possessed by demons. I'm only telling you what I've, my own life here. I'm giving you all of who I am because if I can instill this consciousness inside of you and get you to get your eyes on Jesus and be spirit-led, we will become a mighty force and an army that will make a huge difference in the world around us. And I don't need to type it. I need to say it, look you in the eyes, preach it. This is going all over the world. God knows what he wants to do. And there are millions of believers all over the world that understand what I'm telling you. We just got to get unified and become one because the world is full of disunity and division. So you hear God's voice, you're rested. You have strong, healthy relationships. Oh, here's one of my favorites. I preached on this on Father's Day. Last, was that last Sunday? Yeah, identity. Because the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit, capital S, of adoption. So what happens when you walk in the Spirit? I always know who I am. So it really doesn't matter what you think about me now. That was the biggest one for me because I was an orphan. I was abandoned. I didn't have a dad. My stepdad came into my life when I was five. I didn't have any concept of the father's love, the heavenly father's love. And so I constantly lived in trying to measure up and please people and make you happy and do things for you. And, you know, people do stuff for me all the time to try to measure up for me because they think that I'm going to love them more. And they think if I know that you gave money or they'll hand me a check in my hand, none of that moves me. What, what I care about is who you are. What I care about is that you know who he is and that I'm secure in who I am. People are insecure, worried about what other people think. If you're constantly thinking about what other people think about you, you're under the law. It's called a man-pleasing spirit. I don't ever think about, man, you're so jacked up and you're such a failure and what an issue you are and all these things and I'm seeing all your sin and I'm looking into your life and I'm like, oh man, I know what you did last night and I know where you were and I know what you said and I know that secret hidden thing. No, Jesus already knows. What I need to do is love you so well and show you his love so that the conviction sets in and you say yes to it. And I teach you, if you keep staying in that fleshly thing, you're going to die. Let me give you the way out. You don't need another person beating you up. The devil's good enough at that, and so is your own conscience. <clears throat> am I right? Come on, am I preaching some good preaching today? This is a great word. This snaps and breaks a dysfunctional lie of religion. Man-made religion, that is. The word spiritual, to be spiritually minded, if you look up the word spiritually, it's the exact word for wind and spirit. It's the word pneuma. So what it's saying is, is if you will be wind-driven, spirit-led, spirit in the mind, spirit in the mind, 
Because your mind without him is death. Your mind with him is life. Stop thinking your own way and start thinking his way. It means set your mind and be spiritually minded at all times. Now let's talk about how we do that. God has given you some tools. You know what the number one tool God has given you? This. Right here. I read this word not because I have to, but because I'm so desirous of what God really wants to say. And I want to understand his heart. I want to understand everything that he has to say about every situation, especially about how he believes in me. I want to know what his heartbeat is for me. I want to know how to worship him, how to trust him, how to love him. I want to have strength and stability in my own heart, and I know that comes from standing on God's word at all times. So I make it my life's ambition to know what God has to say about a matter or what God has said about a matter, okay? So God's word. The next thing he gives you is his spirit. Now, the spirit does several things, but, and I'm going to show it to you. One of the best things the spirit does is he reminds you what God has said. So he can't remind you of something you don't know. So think about it. I don't, don't really know anything as an electrician. I don't have very much wisdom about electricity. Okay? So imagine if I'm trying to do something electrical at my house, and I call up an electrician. He comes over. He goes, well, remember when I told you that? Uh, let me remind you of the polarity of this thing. I'm like, huh? There's no reminding if you never knew. So what happens is when the word gets on the inside and you meditate on it, not just read it. There's people that read this Bible all their life and they're dead as a doornail. I'm talking about meditating on it, discovering, digging into it, making it a part of your everyday life, line upon line. Now, most people don't know how to read their Bible. I would say the biggest gap at Rock City Church is discipleship. People laying their lives down for one another to teach each other how to read the Bible. I think probably what we need more than anything is Bible 101. How do you even read your Bible? And there's no shame if you don't know how to read the Bible. That's the last thing you should feel. And you should never feel shame. But why would you ever feel bad that I don't know how to read the Bible? This is a living book. This isn't GQ. This isn't GQ magazine. Well, I don't read G Well, this isn't Men's Health magazine. <laughs> I don't know what y'all read. This isn't cosmopolitan. Yeah, please don't read that. <coughs> this book is alive. It's living. It's powerful. And so you need help. You need to understand content and context. Who is it talking to? What is the context? Like I just quoted you Romans 8.1. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus who walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh, because Christ set me free from the law. Well, that all tied into Romans chapter 7, that Jesus took you out and divorced you from it and crucified it on the cross, and now you don't have to walk under the shame and condemnation anymore, right? But I would need hours and hours and hours and 10-part series and all year long to just teach you that. So I try to give you little nuggets of truth. You've got to drill these down. You've got to water them. Take notes. Go make it your ambition to understand the things that I'm teaching to you. And so this word is so powerful because it gives light to my eyes. It awakens my heart. It helps me to understand everything that God wants to do and how he wants to say it. And then he gives me his spirit to help remind me who I am, who he is, and what he said. The next thing that God gives you, which is so powerful, is family. Because many times I don't know what God is saying. 
And God says, call up Brad, call up Kevin, call up Chis Pastor Chisholm, or go get with somebody and sit down together. And what do you think God's saying on this matter? Because many times God wants us to discover it together. You can't walk in the spirit and not walk in family. God never calls you to be isolated. The only reason why most people isolate is they're angry, they're afraid they're going to get beat up and shame, and if you really knew me and all that stuff, what if none of that mattered? And what if we could all live in the light and encourage and comfort and pull each other out of it? So God gives us family. And then the next thing, I'm just throw it in real quick, is prayer. So prayer is a dialogue. It's constant communion. So I have to stay in constant prayer with the Lord. I have to stay in constant communion with the Lord. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean get on your knees 24-7. What it means is I'm in a constant communion with the Lord. Now, one of the best ways to pray when it comes to walking in the Spirit is praying in tongues. Sadly, it's a big divisive issue. That should not be. Praying in tongues gives you the wisdom and the mind of Christ and the mysteries of God, 1 Corinthians 14, 2 and 4, and it helps to build you, strengthen you, and speak the mysteries of God. What's a mystery? A mystery is something you don't know. How many of you would like some revelation about what's going on in the world? How many of you would like to have better insight and understanding about your future and your life? God wants you to, too. So praying in tongues is very important because you don't know how to pray as you ought to, Romans 8, 26 and 27. So now I pray in tongues all the time. Paul said, pray, I wish I prayed in tongues more than all y'all. And so praying in tongues is powerful because I speak a mystery. It means that what was hidden becomes alive and revealed, and now I'm speaking a truth out loud. So why would you ever think tongues is weird? You just don't understand it because it's offensive to the mind and it's offensive to the flesh. But if you'll get in the spirit, it becomes normal. It's like the air I breathe. It's easy to pray in tongues. And I just do it all the time without thinking, oh, that's weird. That's, my flesh doesn't like it. My flesh gets tired. And after about 15 seconds, my mind's like, okay, that's enough. I'm like, yeah, no, flesh, you're going to submit to the spirit. It's not enough. I'm going to set my clock for five or 10 minutes. And I'm going to pray for five to 10 minutes in the spirit. And it begins to awaken me and light a fire in me and quicken me and ignite me. Now I begin to get insight and understanding because I'm speaking something out from the heavens and from the heartbeat of God. If you don't pray in tongues, you should say, I want to pray in tongues. Yes. And then make it your ambition to learn it, discover it, get baptized in the Spirit, so that you can begin to walk more in the Spirit. I would say praying in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit go very hand in hand. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Here's some great scriptures in the context of what I'm teaching you. Some of my favorite scriptures right here. John chapter 5, verses 19 through 20, that Jesus answered. Now, Jesus was being, Jesus really put a death wish on his life before this scripture because it says that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were so angry that they wanted to kill him. And one of the number one reasons is because he said he was equal with God. He said he was God and he was equal to God and that he came from God. They didn't like that. Look at what Jesus' response was. So Jesus, here's Jesus' response to them. Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. Now, if you're a son or a daughter and you're born again, guess what? You can do nothing of yourself. It's the same for you as it was for him, so it is for you. I can do nothing on my own, all right? You can do nothing of yourself. But what he sees the father do, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. This is incredible. Because Jesus is saying, hey, don't blame me. 
I've got my eyes on the Father, and I'm only doing what the Father's telling me to do. I'm not doing anything on my own accord. We need people that are only doing what they see the Father doing that are more like Jesus. And what he does, you do. Next verse. For the Father loves the Son. Just put your name in there. For the Father loves David. Just put your name in. The Father loves you. And because he loves you, what does he do? He shows you all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these. And you're going to marvel. That's what Jesus said. He's like, I'm going to rock your world. It's like, wait till you see what I do. And then Jesus is going to say, greater works will you do than what I did. John 15, 15. I don't call you servants. A servant doesn't know what his master's doing, but I've called you friends. For all things I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. So you know you're living like a servant when you have no idea what Jesus is doing. So I want to know what Jesus is doing because I'm a friend. Everybody say, I'm a friend. (sighs) You're a friend of God? Really? Yeah. Let me tell you what he's saying. Because I hear him and I know him. John 16, verses 13 through 14. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. The new age world has all kinds of spirit guides. They're all demons. There's only actually one real spirit guide. It's the Holy Spirit. And I have a spirit guide. His name's the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit God leads me what? Into all truth. Now it says, check this out. For he will not speak on his own authority, but he, whatever he hears, he speaks. And he will tell you things to come. So check this out. Holy Spirit is listening to Jesus, who's listening to the Father. The Father speaks to Jesus. Jesus speaks to the Holy Spirit, who's inside of me. And now I hear only what they have to say, because he's speaking to me. And now I speak what I, what's been spoken to me. And lest I forget, I've got the Holy Spirit reminding me everything that Jesus has to say. Look at this last part. Oh, by the way, it says, he will speak. And what will he tell you? The end of verse 13. It's called revelation, insight, understanding. So he'll tell you things to come. And what what? Here's a really big key. He will glorify me, and he will take a what is mine and declare it to you. Do you know that there are psychics that will give accolades to Christians and even claim to know God, but they don't glorify Jesus? How do you know when something's of God? It glorifies Jesus. Always look for that. Does it glorify Jesus? And notice that it says he'll take a what is mine and he'll declare it to you. So you've got to get a declaration in your life. What's God saying about your marriage, your children, your future, your finances, your job, COVID, the racial divide, whatever it is? Do you think God has something to say about it? Does it say that he'll declare it to you? God's word has given us the best identifiers of what the spirit produces in our life. And I'm going to show it to you real quick. Galatians 5.22 is the fruit of the spirit. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit's in you, this fruit is produced in your life. The number one fruit it produces is love. Every other fruit comes underneath it. Remember, fruit is cultivated and grown, not given. Gifts are given, fruit is grown. 
So you have to grow fruit in your life, and that takes time. If you went out today and said, hey, I'm going to plant an orange tree or an avocado tree or a um, pineapple, or a, not a pineapple, a, a grapefruit tree, an olive tree, whatever it is, if, would you be satisfied if you cultivated that tree and it produced one round of fruit and then never produced again? No. Do you expect that a, true, a tree will reproduce fruit consistently? So to be fruitful is reproduction. When I think of fruit, I think reproducing, and I think constant, not one time. And so the fruit of the Spirit is always love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness, self-control, and I want you to see this last part. And against such, you'll never fall in. Here's how I'm going to paraphrase this for you. You'll never feel accused. You can't accuse me. You can try. But against such, there's no law. The law doesn't exist here. It doesn't even exist in the fruit of the Spirit. So you're never feeling shame and condemnation and inadequacy. Instead, what's happening? You are walking in complete passion and joy. Now watch this. I like that in the passion. They're meant to be limitless. Now go, let's go back to verse, back to the New King James Version. And I want you to look at this. Verse 24. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh which, with its passions and desires. So the passions and desires of my flesh are crucified. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Let's say it together. Live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. One more time. Live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Okay? Now look at the last part. If you're not living in the Spirit, you won't, you'll become conceited. I'm sorry, verse 26. You'll become conceited, you'll provoke one another, and you'll envy one another. That's what the law does and what religion does. I become prideful, I become arrogant, I think myself more than, I rule over you, I, I'm gonna give you all these three words. I dominate over you, I'm selfish, I'm prideful, I'm haughty, I'm arrogant, I'm cocky, I'm the man and you're not, and I'm the man of God and you're the little peon peasant. And all the things that come with provoking one another and instead of setting you free, I put you more under the law. And then what happens is I, en uh, I envy you. Or we envy one another. What does it mean to envy one another? It means that I'm comparing. I feel inadequate. I'm measuring myself by you instead of by him. That's opposite of walking in the spirit and living in the spirit. That's that thing when people look at me and I look at them like I have a neighbor. Man, I have a neighbor. I have a neighbor that has not ever wanted to talk to me, but I'm believing one day he will. And I already know that this neighbor knows I'm a pastor, and there's an assumption. This neighbor has avoided me like the plague. And I'm just, I mean, I'll be mowing on one side of the fence. He'll be mowing, and he won't look at me. He won't wave at me. He's never come over to say hi. The gate's always closed. But that's okay, because God put him next to me for a reason. So I'm praying. But he assumes 
then I'm going to do this. I'm going to provoke. I'm going to envy, compare, shame, condemnation, the law, because he's already living under it. So he just assumes I'll just put more on him. What if we didn't do that to our neighbors? What if we loved them as ourselves? What if we loved them the way God loved us? Wouldn't that be cool? All right, I'm going to close with this. Love is first and all fruits follow underneath. It's complete selfless love. Here's what agape love looks like. It costs me everything and it costs you nothing. It costs me everything and it costs you nothing. I don't meet with people based on how much they give, how much they tithe. I'm not moved by money. I meet only by who God tells me to meet with. I'm not moved by whether you come or you don't come. I'm not moved by how influential you are. I don't coddle millionaires. I, do on, I only meet with who Jesus... In fact, millionaires appreciate that more because I'm not moved by how much money they have. I don't chase them down. I don't fight for them to stay because if I had to fight for you to get here, I'll have to fight for you to stay. It wears straight wear me out. So when I start worrying about who comes to church and who doesn't come and how many seats are full or not full and who's, where they went and what you did, oh my gosh, it's a miserable thing. I used to live in that. So I just say, you know what? I'm just going to love like Jesus and whatever I get in return, my ultimate reward comes from him. That's how I want you to live. Now, it doesn't mean we don't need reciprocal love. That's called phileo love. That's called brotherly love. Brotherly love works in the context of marriage, which actually is called storge. It means that I have family beneficial love that I do for my family, but there's also brotherly love that I do for God's family. It's reciprocal. We need reciprocal love, right? I mean, this wouldn't work. Church wouldn't work. Family wouldn't work if my kids never had to do anything and my wife never showed it back or I didn't show her love. That doesn't work like that. But you first have to get agape love secure with the Lord because what happens when your kids don't, your wife doesn't, and your friends don't? We must live and walk in the spirit. Otherwise, we'll become conceited, selfish, and prideful. When we walk in the spirit, there's no condemnation or accusation, only with what the true kingdom of God produces on earth. Romans 14, 17, we're going to keep the main thing the main thing. It's not about eat, eating, drinking, wearing colors of your skin, money. It's not about anything. Eating and drinking falls into the context of every single thing we could make it about. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. God makes us righteous because of what he did on the cross. I could never do it on my own. I'm going to live in the spirit. I'm going to walk in the spirit. I'm going to get in his word. I'm going to pray in the spirit. I'm going to love his family. I'm going to stay unified together as one. I'm going to make it my greatest desire to know what God's word has to say about a matter. And I'm going to make my second greatest desire to love my wife, then my kids, and then God's family in that order. I'm going to live and walk in the spirit so that I can have righteousness, peace, and joy. Parties always fade, the drink glass always empties, and there'll never be enough. But in righteousness, peace, and joy, you'll have more than enough and be satisfied all the days of your life, and you won't run to anything else to bring comfort and peace to your life. That is an awesome word. Righteousness, peace, and joy, not the next dinner party, not the next any party. It's Jesus first. Now, when you have good parties with real friends that love well and encourage and love Jesus, it's a lot of fun right? We need more coming to the table. We had a whole series on that. We need parties around the table. 
But the kingdom of God is first righteousness, peace, and joy in what? In what? Righteous peace and joy only comes in the Holy Spirit. And that's what we all need. So now I'm going to pray for you. Why don't you all stand? Today, somebody needs to hear that you're a son from the spirit of adoption. Today, somebody needs to hear that I love you. You're not defined by that failure. Today, somebody needs to come out of shame and accusation and stop living in the flesh. Sin will kill you. All you have to do is say, I don't want it anymore and have a hatred for it. That's what Paul said in Romans 7. I actually hate, hate it. And you know what that hatred does? It produces life. You've got to have a hatred for sin. But it only comes from the Spirit. So close your eyes right now and pray for you. off the shame and the condemnation the inadequacy that anybody's been feeling loneliness, the hurt, the pain God I thank you that through the cross you took it and we're not condemned and there's no accusation when you're living on the inside There's no more voice of an accuser. There's no more voice of an accuser. The case is closed. I just release forgiveness on everybody here and everybody that's watching. Speak forgiveness to you. You're forgiven by the blood of Jesus and the cross what he did what you could never do let's just pray this prayer together say heavenly father I need you I'm so thankful for you thank you for giving your son Jesus to come in the likeness of man to show me how to live and to do what I could never do by taking the shame despising it nailing it to the cross all my failures 
all my inadequacies. He took it for me. And I thank you for that, Jesus. And I'm looking to you now. Set me free from the law of sin and death. Put your spirit inside of me. Have mercy. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. And help me to understand who I am as a son or a daughter. God, I thank you that I'm not alone and that I have you with me to guide me, to remind me, to direct me, to speak to me, to tell me. And I'm making the decision today to direct my mind and occupy myself with the things of the Spirit, not the things of this world. Help me, Lord, to hear you at all times, to be led by you, to be reminded who I am in you, and to never fall prey to the deceptive lie of guilt and condemnation. Forgive me, Lord, for any compromise in my life, the things I've said and done, the ways I've acted that are contrary to your ways. And help me, Lord, to see the world the way you see it and to not give in to the narrative of this world, but to only speak what I hear you say, to only type what you'd want me to type, to love the way you love, to live the way you live. Lord, I'm looking to you. I pray that you comfort me, heal me, protect me, and make me to be everything you've called me to be. And I love you. I'm going to walk upright with my head up high, looking you in the eye, receiving your instruction, guidance, and even your discipline to be the man or woman you've called me to be. I love you. Thank you for your family. Thank you for Rock City Church. Thank you, God, for Corpus Christi. And that for such a time as this, I'm alive as the light of the world with a purpose, a future, a hope, and a plan. And I love you so much. I'm going to walk by faith, not by my natural eyesight. I want to see in the Spirit the hidden mysteries of God. Reveal them to me. Help me to pray in the Spirit. Remind me, Holy Spirit, to pray together with you at all times. And now, Lord, I bless every single person here. Greater confidence, greater strength, greater stability, greater understanding of the word. That, Lord, we would know your word, know what you said, know what you're saying, and know how to speak to a world in crisis and to be the light of the world, a city on a hilltop for all the world to see, the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys so much. Go and walk in the Spirit and sin no more. We'll see you later.